What's up, you guys? This is take two of this of this intro for this 112th episode of Who Gives a Dram. I messed up the first recording, and I got about six minutes in and realized that I messed up, so at least I didn't get too far in. But we're here today. Thank you for joining me on this 112th episode of Who Gives a Dram. We have a great episode today. We have a lot to talk about. A lot happened this weekend, and it's my favorite time of the year. Most importantly, today is Monday, March 6th, which means that it is the beginning of Irish Whiskey Month here at Who Gives a Dram Studios. For the next four Mondays, we will be reviewing Irish whiskeys, and I bought a very special Irish whiskey for this first Monday of Irish Whiskey Month. It is a whiskey that is fresh off the still. It's fresh off, it's fresh, freshly bottled, it's freshly released. Only released a few months ago. Saw it on the shelf at my local liquor store and I knew I had to pick it up and drink it here on the podcast. It is from the former UFC featherweight champion, the former UFC lightweight champion, the former number two pound for pound fighter in the world, the notorious Conor McGregor, and his proper number 12, Irish Apple. That's right, people. Irish Apple. We are going to be reviewing an apple whiskey today on the podcast. Maybe the first flavored whiskey. Maybe the first flavored whiskey. No, that's not true because I did a disgusting maple syrup infused whiskey for my Kin is Kin episode in remembrance of my cousin John Harrington. If you haven't checked out that episode, it's a little sad, but it's a good whiskey review. So go check that out um, on the podcast feed. I love Irish Whiskey Month. I love the month of March. I think this is one of the better months of the year. I love St. Patrick's Day. I am Irish. Most of my blood is Irish. I feel like I have naturally Irish whiskey running through my veins and coursing through my body. So this month is a special month to me and I enjoy the I enjoy the aspect of of Irish culture and I and I enjoy celebrating that Irish culture this time of year. Everybody always has a good time on St. Patrick's Day weekend, whether you are Irish or not. And that's what I love. I love everybody coming together and I love everybody having a good time. And I love how a lot of whiskeys get their love this month. Jameson will sell the most cases this month. Irish whiskey will be at the forefront of spirit sales, I'm sure. I'm actually curious to know how much Irish whiskey is sold in the month of March as opposed to other months in to- in terms of total volume. That would actually be an interesting thing to research. And of course, I'm not going to do that because I don't research. But if somebody else wants to do that and lets me know, I would be forever grateful. So it's Irish whiskey month and we're here ready to rock and roll. Before we get into the whiskey review, I will remind you guys that we do time stamp the podcast into the sections of topics that we talk about. So if you want to skip ahead to the whiskey review or if you are only interested in the UFC 285 recap or if you're only interested in a particular movie review that I'm going to be quickly reviewing this week or any of the other topics that we'll discuss, check it out below. I timestamp them for you guys, for the, for you, the listener, and 
That way, if you just want to hear the whiskey review, just go down to the to the show notes, to the to the description of the of the podcast or of the video if you're watching on YouTube, and you will be able to skip to the parts of the video or or podcast that you would like to watch or listen to. And while we're on that topic, please, if you're listening, subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast platform you are listening to. If you're watching on YouTube, please make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. I greatly appreciate it. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts and you like the show, leave a five-star review. Leave leave, leave a five-star rating and leave me a review. Let me know what you think about the show. I always like to read those. I just had a new one a few days ago, and it made me smile. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, leave a comment on the videos. Let me know what you think. I just like to hear from you guys. Some guy commented on my Instagram video that I released the other day of Four Rows of Small Batch Select and said, uh, this is a something like a goofy review. And at first I was pretty mad. I was like, okay, bro, why would you comment that? But then I really thought about it and I was like, yeah, but he's right though. So it doesn't, I can't get mad at that because it was a really dumb review. But that's what we do here. I'm doing reviews straight off the cuff and there's no little to no preparation that goes into it. One last thing. If you want to follow with my day-to-day antics, make sure you head over to Instagram at Who Gives a Dram. Also, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Who Gives a Dram. Go follow on TikTok because I'm about 75 followers away from 1,000 followers. And when I go get to 1,000 followers, I'm going to be doing a TikTok live with a bunch of my buddies who are on TikTok, and we'll have a good time. I'm sure. My friend, that one dude, Ryan, will hop on for a little bit. I'm sure Paul will hop on for a little bit with Bear with Friends. I have a few other buddies that are going to hop on for a bit, and we'll just have a good time. We'll drink whiskey, and I want you guys to be able to join in on that if you watch TikToks, if you have TikToks. If you let China spy on you via TikTok so you can watch 30-second comedy videos for 14 hours a day like me, then I want you to join. But with all that out of the way, let's get right into the show. And you might notice today some longer pauses in the show, and that is strictly because I am doing my best to take filler words out of my vocabulary. And my and my brain is already a little bit more tired than it should be. I, I don't want words... Like, like, um, you know, things of that nature. I don't want those words to be in my vocabulary anymore. I got the inspiration actually last night watching UFC 285 and watching Joe Rogan perform his post-fight interviews live in front of a, of a 20,000-person crowd and being able to fluently ask questions without any filler words in there really made me think I I should be able to do that on the podcast because I'm just sitting here by myself and there's no reason for me to be saying um or like or right or you know or things of that nature all the time I can I can I can make it a priority to not say those words as much as possible so if there's a bit of a pause in between words or sentences today on this podcast That is because I am simply thinking of the word I want to say and not saying um. That's why there's a pause. But regardless, 
let's get into it. Before we drink this delicious whiskey, and I can already smell the apple, as I said at the top of the episode, I did do the cork pop on the first take of this video, so I can't do another cork pop. It's not as good. Has a real cork, which I always appreciate. This actually smells like legit apple juice. Like I, I, I can smell it from here. It's so potent. But we'll get into that in a little bit. We do have a few topics that I want to talk about beforehand. Mainly, the incredible UFC card last night, Saturday, March 4th. UFC 285, Jones first gone for the undisputed UFC heavyweight championship. It was a great card, and it was a great night, actually. I ended up going over to my cousin Matt's house, got together with the boys, haven't seen a lot of them for, for a few months, but I'm used to seeing those guys every weekend, so a few months is, is quite a long time, and it was nice to get together with the boys and watch some fights, got together. Had a Rocky Patel cigar, had some Colonel E.H. Taylor single barrel. That was my bourbon of choice last night. We smoked some ribs, some pork butts, and just had a good time. I always enjoy fight nights. I, I, I look forward, especially if it's a good fight card, I look forward to that night. I look forward to spending time with whoever it is. Sometimes it's just me and my dad. Sometimes there's... 10 people in the room for a Conor McGregor card. Sometimes it's a few of my cousins. Sometimes it's a few of my cousins plus a few of my friends. Sometimes there's just four of us. Sometimes it's just me and Kale. You know, so I look forward to those to those nights because it's just a it's it's such a to me a mindless relaxing thing to do. While at the same time I'm always nervous because for example, last night I really wanted John Jones to win because I wanted him to cement his GOAT status and have it be unattainable by any other fighter. So I get nervous, and it's 12.30 at night when they're making their, their octagon walks, and you're half tired, but at the same time you're amped up because you want to see this fight. And I love that feeling. I love watching the prelims. I love learning about new fighters that are coming up. I love I love every aspect of watching a UFC pay-per-view or a solid UFC fight night. It's just one of my favorite things to do. So I was really looking forward to watching this card, as I said last week on the podcast, and it definitely 100% did not disappoint. First of all, ended up filming some scenes for the new Roadhouse movie at this podcast, right? Jake Gyllenhaal shows up at the, at the official weigh-ins the night before, takes his shirt off, and... From what I can tell, the new Roadhouse movie, it's it's not a remake. And I think a lot of people are getting confused with them promoting this Roadhouse movie, not as a remake, but as a, as a reimagination. If you look at a lot of the promotional material and what they're saying, it's a reimagination of Roadhouse. So what I think this movie is going to be about is Jake Gyllenhaal, or Dalton, who is Patrick Swayze in the original movie, is going to be a UFC fighter. And he's either going to get kicked out of the UFC for beating somebody up after the buzzer or or not listening to the referee after the bell, I should say, not the buzzer. Or he's going to kill somebody in the UFC. And he's going to get kicked out by Dana White, and he's be- going to become a bouncer. And that's how his 
And that's how the movie's going to start. That's my best guess. Because we do see Jake Gyllenhaal in this movie. And they, they shot a few scenes for Roadhouse utilizing the live crowds at the weigh-ins and at the actual fight. Jake Gyllenhaal looked so ripped. So ripped. That it made me want to buy a ticket to the movie just based on Jake Gyllenhaal's abs. He looks so good. I mean, is he on all the steroids? Of course he is. Do I give a bollock? Absolutely not. He looks so good. And I loved the dynamic, especially the night of the fight where they filmed their scene. Jake Gyllenhaal is fighting for the championship, and he gets back up against the cage. A few a few shots thrown at him. Then he ev- evades one shot. Bang, bang. The other guy is is wobbled. Jake Gyllenhaal hits him with a flying knee. Perfect form. Ground and pound, ground and pound, ground and pound. The ref pulls him off, but Jake Gyllenhaal throws the ref off, keeps on grounding and pounding him until the ref physically yanks Gyllenhaal off of his opponent. And that's what the scene was. That's what they filmed with Jake Gyllenhaal's incredibly impressive six-pack leading the charge. So that's what makes me think that he probably gets thrown out of the UFC and has to become a boxer to, or a, a bouncer to, to pay his bills. And Conor McGregor plays the bad guy. So Roadhouse is a must-watch for me. I don't know if it's coming out this year or next year, but it's, it's a must-watch. So I, I am looking forward to that movie. But that was a nice addition to UFC 285 this weekend. But the, the main card is really what, is really what was impressive. Four of the five fights were finishes. We started the main card. Well, first of all, we had Derek Brunson versus who is someone who is basically like the Eastern European Kamzat is what they say. Yeah, I think he's from Uzbekistan. Or I don't know his name, but he beat up Derek Brunson. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got the wrong fight. I got the wrong fight. I don't have. I don't. Derek Brunson lost. I think. Cody Garbrandt was the main event of the prelims and he and he beat his opponent who they were both unranked guys and Cody Garbrandt looked pretty good but I was really hoping for a Cody Garbrandt knockout and by that I mean I I was really hoping Cody Garbrandt got knocked out but we didn't get that and that's okay Cody Garbrandt did look good though he'll he's not anywhere near being ranked but maybe with another fight he'll get ranked with another win but the main card is what I want to talk about um, because, like I just said, four of the five fights were finishes, so this card moved pretty quick, and it was crazy finishes at that. And by crazy, I mean they were all submission finishes, which is insane. Bo Nickel, the UFC, this was his UFC debut. He fought Jamie Pickett. Bo Nickel went in and imposed his will, took the guy down. Bo Nickel is a All-American wrestler. Stud wrestler, one of the best wrestlers in the UFC, according to the commentators. And Bo Nickel submitted him in about three minutes. So, maybe even two minutes. But Bo Nickel picked up the rear neck, or maybe it was a, a head and arm choke for his first win in the UFC. And then this next fight 
was the decision. It was two guys. I didn't really know who they were. I don't even know how to pronounce this guy's first name. He fought Jalen Turner, and it was a fine fight back and forth. It wasn't anything special. It was kind of a snooze fest, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I ate a lot of cream puffs during this fight, and that got me really sick last night, but that's neither here nor there. This next fight, the third fight of the night, was where this Eastern European Kamzat Chemaev fight was. This guy's name is Shavkat. Rachmonov, and he's from Uzbekistan, I think, or somewhere in there. And he fought Jeff Neal, who's a crafty UFC veteran, very good. And they, I don't know if they still award Fight of the Nights in the UFC, but they should have gotten Fight of the Night because it was a absolute slugfest for most of it. Jeff Neal was piecing Shavkat up on the feet with his boxing and his and his counterpunching and his timing, but Shavkat was just moving forward elbows, knees, kicks, and was able to absorb a lot of Jeff Neal's strikes. And that led to a late, or uh, I'm sorry, an early third round submission from Shavkat, uh, a standing guillotine. You don't see that too much. Um, The last time we saw that, actually, that I can remember, the most famous standing guillotine submission victory was John Jones over Leota Machida way back in the day. And it's funny that Shavkat did this same thing, almost honoring John Jones in that respect. And if you aren't familiar with John Jones versus Leota Machida, it was one of John Jones' first light heavyweight uh, championship defenses. And he he submitted and knocked out, knocked un- or, or submitted unconscious Leota Machida standing up in a standing guillotine, and Leota Machida flopped down, when John Jones let go, it's a very iconic image. The two main events were insane. Were absolutely insane. Valentina Shevchenko versus Alexa Grasso. I said last week that Shevchenko was going to walk through Grasso because Shevchenko is the best women's fighter in the world. And there's not much I can say other than I was wrong. Shevchenko looked great, but Alexa Grasso... With her little Mexican dirty boxing style, was very good on the feet. Was able to counter Shevchenko much more than I thought she she could. Admittedly, I didn't know a lot about Alexa Grasso going into this fight. She was fifteen and three before going into this fight, and she ended up in the fourth round, beginning of the fourth round. Shevchenko threw a spinning back kick, and Alexa Grasso evaded it and took. Shevchenko's back so effort effortlessly and so fast that even Joe Rogan and DC were like, wow, what did what just happened? And she sunk in the rear naked choke. She sunk in she sunk in the choke and submitted Shevchenko. And we have a new UFC flyweight champion, women's flyweight champion. And I thought the fight was incredibly entertaining. Part of me was rooting for Shevchenko, but the other part was rooting for Alexa Grasso. She she looked like a little piece of dynamite in there. She was she was awesome, and it's it's incredible how the UFC now has three Mexican champions in Alexa Grasso herself, Brandon Moreno, who's the men's flyweight champion, and Yair Rodriguez, who is currently the the UFC interim featherweight champion. He'll be fighting Alex Volkanovski 
sometime this year. So the men's flyweight and the women's flyweight champions are both Mexican, and that's incredible to me because only a few years ago we've never the the UFC had never had a Mexican champion, and now there's three, and one of them's a woman. So it's it's just it's cool to see the 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 UFC grow like that and to see, you know, obviously one of the best boxers today, Canelo Alvarez, is a, is Mexican. So it, it's cool to see that shift into the UFC as well. And now three of the best fighters in the world are are, are from Mexico. Because Alexa Grasso proved that she is one of the top women's fighters on the planet. I mean, she really put up a good fight against Shevchenko. I would be I would be surprised if they didn't give Shevchenko the immediate rematch because she was such a dominant champion, and I would love to see that fight. Put it on a co-main of another card. Put it as the co-main of McGregor versus Chandler. I mean, that's a great co-main event. I'd definitely be into that. Just, you have... You also have to put Stephen Wonderboy Thompson on the McGregor card. And it'd be awesome to see him rematch Vicente Luque or something like that. But the main event is what we all bought. And I saw I, I saw a rumor that in terms of social media, UFC 285 was the most popular event in UFC history, even topping McGregor versus Khabib. Like this was the most important what's the word impressionated it's had this event had the most impressions on social media uh, I, I saw that from Robbie Fox shout out to Robbie Fox from Barcelona Sports on Twitter so I, I don't I mean I don't know why Robbie Fox would lie about that so I, I trust Robbie Fox so we're gonna say yeah it was the most talked about UFC event on social media in the history of the company which is bonkers to me which makes me think that maybe John Jones just pulled in uh, 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 one million buy pay per view all by himself because he was really the only draw on this card. And this fight was a weird fight. Ciro Gon comes out, looks good. He's got the body of a of a bodybuilder. He's jacked. He's big. John Jones comes out to his the champ is here music. Should have used the Homelander music, but he didn't. But that's 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 okay. And he's getting into the octagon, and he, he he tapes his his two right toes together. His his big toe, or it's either his big toe and his second toe, or his second toe and his third toe. Excuse me. And apparently, you can't do that. So it took like a, it took John Jones an extra like two minutes to get into the octagon because they had to cut that up, and they ended up keeping the toes tapes together, but the rest of the tape that was around the the, the foot. They, they cut off. So that was weird. Uh, that was a weird, like, moment. I've never seen that happen in a UFC fight before. None, no less the main event and one of the biggest main events in recent memory. And I thought John Jones just looked relaxed and he looked ready. Five seconds into the fight, Ciro Gon kicks John Jones square in the nuts. <laughs> I'm talking square in the nuts. And we're like, okay, this is going to be one of those weird fights. Hopefully John Jones can recover from this and and boy did he. He looked a little weird on the feet. He um looked a little almost anxious, like he was trying to make things happen. And he even admitted that post fight. He said that he it does take a little bit to get used to it in fight feel on the feet. But John Jones has been a wrestler since since his younger days and he perfectly timed a 
a telegraphed straight left from Ciro Gan, which Ciro Gan couldn't have telegraphed that punch more than he did, but that led to a takedown, and that led to essentially Ciro Gan being on his ass and John Jones being on top of him with his... It looked like he just had a face crank, and Ciro Gan was kind of like was sitting down with like and bent over against the cage and and John Jones was on top of him and kind of it looked like a face crank and then all of a sudden Sirogan tapped and we're like what the hell just happened and they showed the replay and John Jones just slipped his 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 7 foot wingspan arms underneath Sirogan's neck ever so slightly and then it just kind of like locked into place and you're like oh my god that was incredibly deep like i don't I don't blame Sirogan for tapping instantly because the way John Jones' leverage was, he was choking him like this, but then he was also had he was also on top of Sirogan. Like Sirogan again was sitting down on the cage, and and John Jones was kind of like against him. So his all of all of his leverage was pushing upwards on Sirogan's neck, and when John Jones, heavyweight John Jones, is doing that, apparently he deadlifts like six hundred thirty pounds now. That's a recipe for disaster. John Jones wins via submission around one. I predicted John Jones would win via submission around four or five. And I was wrong, but I was right with the way the fight was finished. I did not think it was going to be around one finish. I th- Historically, John Jones is a slow starter. In the lightweight, in the light heavyweight division, John Jones was historically a slow starter and historically didn't have many finishes under his resume. A lot of his better fights are decision wins. And I felt the submission was going was in course for this fight because Ciro Gan is just not a good wrestler. And that was proven in, in the Ninganu fight when Ninganu handled Ciro Gan on the ground and Ninganu is not a good wrestler in his own right. But I thought the... I thought Ciro Gan would prove to be a bit tougher on the feet and would be able to kind of keep John Jones at bay regarding clinch work and being able to physically put his hands on on Ciro Gan, you know, often. But obviously I was wrong with that assumption because two minutes into the fight that happened. And it was a round one submission, two with, uh, you know, two minutes and four seconds into round one. Rear naked choke, or no, just a just a guillotine choke. And John Jones is the new heavyweight champion of the world. John Jones is the new UFC heavyweight champion and cemented his status as the greatest mixed martial artist of all time. And you really cannot say otherwise. With a defense of his title, especially if he beats Stipe, he's going to be put down as one of the best UFC one of the best MMA heavyweights of all time. If he beats Stipe and he beats Gon, who is by far the number the, the number one contender right now. If only he could fight Nganu. If he could beat Stipe and Nganu before hanging up the gloves, he would undoubtedly be the best heavyweight of all time and the best fighter of all time. But John Jones is the greatest mixed martial artist this world has ever seen, and it's going to be hard to top John Jones. We are watching a goat in action, and I want everybody listening to this podcast and who who likes to listen to my UFC breakdowns, I want you guys to really appreciate the fact that we have uh, 
a, a greatest of all time athlete who's not in his prime prime, but is still really good. Like Tom Brady in 2015, 2016. This is what we're witnessing right now. We're witnessing that. We're witnessing 2015, 2016 Tom Brady right now in John Jones. People thought he was over, Tom Brady was over the hump. People thought Tom Brady couldn't win anymore, and then all of a sudden, he wins three Super Bowls. John Jones, people think John Jones, he's old, even though he's just 35 years old, but he hasn't fought in three years. He's been fighting for so long. He's had, he, he's, he's, he's UFC, he's fighter old. For a fighter, 35 is not young. But he just manhandled the best the uh, UFC heavyweight on the planet, other than Francis Ngannou and now John Jones. So moving forward, I am confident that John Jones for Stipe Miocic will happen at International Fight Week in July of this year, early July. And I don't want to break that fight down yet. But let's just say I let's just say I think Stipe has his work cut out for him. And let's just say I think John Jones will be a heavy favorite as he should be. It's cool to watch a, an all-time athlete fight live. And you could tell when John Jones was fight it was just and even my cousin Ryan who had never watched a John Jones fight, my cousin Matt, who had never watched a John Jones fight, they're big UFC fans, and they were saying like, dude, this just feels like a, a big deal. And it was. If it's if that stat is true, that this was the highest engaged with UFC event um, on social media in the history of the company, then John Jones ha- is that guy. He can still... It's him and Conor McGregor at the top of the heap in terms of what's going to move the needle at the UFC, and that's incredibly impressive that John Jones can still do that three years after three after taking a three-year break, which is just insane to me. So that's enough UFC talk. Um, I loved watching that fight. We're a half hour in. I talked about that quite 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 long, but um, it, it was worth it because it was such a incredible fight card that I, 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 I've been thinking about it all day today, and I had to give John Jones his due because I know he's going to listen to this podcast and just explain how grateful I am that we are currently watching the greatest mixed martial artist of all time compete. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. That's something, as a, as a massive UFC fan and a massive MMA fan, that's something that I'll tell my kids. Like I watched John Jones compete in his prime. 2015, 2016 Tom Brady prime. Uh, but anyways, we are going to move on now to the second topic of discussion today. Let me take a sip of water real quick. Hmm. Which is a surprise quick Movie review, and I have to type this into Google. I uh, on Friday night, I I did some cardio. Anytime I don't lift now, I I do cardio. 
and my cardio consists of going to my parents' house and walking for about a half hour on the treadmill um, at a at a twelve incline at just under a running speed. I'm like power walking and. It sucks, but it burns. I eat a lot of calories, and I usually just throw on a video of some sort and and watch it or and, and watch that video while I while I do my cardio. So after I was done with cardio, I I just hung out with my parents. I hadn't really seen mom and dad for you know I don't really see them during the week anymore because I'm working and then I'm doing the podcast and I'm doing a lot of stuff and I just have stuff to do so. I, I, I hung out with them and my mom found this movie on, on Amazon she, that she wanted to rent and I was like, I don't want to watch it, but then she rented it and then my dad sat down and watched it. So I was like, you know what, I'll watch it. And I kind of half watched it until like the last half hour and then I got into it. And I tell you what, I really liked this movie and I want to talk about it for just a few minutes. And this movie this is going to surprise you guys. <laughs> this movie that I watched this, this, this past Friday that I thoroughly enjoyed and I actually recommend if you're a fan of rom-coms, this is a great movie. It's a movie called Ticket to Paradise, starring George Clooney and Julia Roberts. And yes, I know that sounds kind of weird that that's the movie I watched on a Friday night and I'm 26 and single, but that's what I did. That's exactly what I did. A divorced couple teams up and travels to Bali to stop their daughter from making the same mistake they think they made 25 years ago. Written and directed by Al Parker, and it also has in the movie, um, Ariel Carver O'Neill plays Kimberly, their daughter. Billy Lord plays the daughter's best friend, and Billy Lord is the daughter of, um, in real life, is the daughter of Princess Leia. I'm forgetting her name. Rest in peace incredibly disrespectful of me to forget her name i have to figure out this what was princess leia's name what the hell was princess leia's name hold on gotta find out carrie fisher carrie fisher rest in peace carrie fisher icon in 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 cinema but anyways so this movie it's like an hour it's like an hour 45 just about Came out in 2022, rated PG-13. It has a 6.2 rating on IMDb out of 43,000 reviews. Currently the 164th most popular movie on IMDb. And essentially what the movie is about is George Clooney and, and Julia Roberts are divorced. And their daughter graduates law school. So they're the two parents that don't like each other but are there for their daughter. So they go to the graduation, college graduation, and it's it's a lot of like, oh, I'm better than you. No, I'm better than you parent feuds. Like that's how their parent relationship is. And the daughter goes to Bali with her friend for uh, like, uh, like a vacation after college, and she falls in love with a seaweed farmer who happens to be pretty handsome and decides to marry him. And George Clooney and Julia Roberts hear about this and they think she's making the same mistake that they made as a young couple and doesn't want her to end up like them. So they go over to Bali and of course they happen to be sitting next together on the plane. Of course their rooms are right next to each other when they get to the hotel or to the resort 
and the movie is essentially about Julia Roberts and, and George Clooney falling back in love and reigniting their relationship and figuring out that they actually love each other and they want to be together. And that's that's exemplified through the persistence that their daughter has for wanting to marry this young fellow, this young seaweed farmer from, from Bali. And that's basically what the movie is. It's a standard rom-com, but what's different is that George Clooney's in it. And listen, I, I have been one of those guys that thinks George Clooney's a bit overrated, especially in the handsome department. I, I don't think he's a bad-looking guy, but like, people always say, oh, he's, a, he's one of the most handsome men to ever live. And I'm like, all right, dude, cal- calm down. Come on. Like, there are so many handsome cats out there, and you're going to pick George Clooney? Really? But after watching this movie, I'm, I'm, I mean, there's nobody that exemplifies salt and pepper handsomeness more than George Clooney. I will say that. I will say that. And there's never a time when George Clooney is not wearing a suit. And I mean that more so in real life. In this movie, he's usually wearing a suit, but there are some times where he's wearing like shorts and and stuff like that, you know, to at the beach and stuff. Um, but he's usually he's usually wearing like a like a button down shirt with with like slacks or something. And uh, I really enjoyed this movie. I really really enjoyed this movie, and I wanted to come on here and tell you guys about it quickly because I I watched it without knowing anything without knowing it existed, and just watched it because my mom wanted to watch something, and I actually ended up in I ended up liking it. And I've I've thought about it all weekend, and I wanted to bring it up on the podcast in hopes that one of you guys goes and checks it out and likes it and is surprised as much as I was surprised about it because it was pretty funny, and it was pretty good, and uh, I do recommend it. I'd probably give it like a like a solid three out of five stars. Like I, I probably actually you know I would watch it again. I I I would watch it again, but it's not something I'm gonna be like reaching for. It's not like a like a it's not like a a Weller 107 where I'm going to reach for that bottle over most bottles. I'm not going to pick this to watch this movie over other movies, but if it's on TV, like The Longest Yard was always on TV back in the day, I will I will watch it. So, there's a little surprise movie review for you guys, Ticket to Paradise. Really good rom-com. I enjoyed it. Um the Mandalorian started last Wednesday, season three, episode one. Um, I don't have much to say about it other than I thought it was the perfect. I thought it was the perfect introduction episode to season three for the Mandalorian. I really enjoyed how. Dur- the the episode itself was about thirty six minutes or, excuse me, thirty eight minutes, and I really liked how. It felt quick. Like it felt like we didn't harp we didn't harp on what happened in the past for so often. You do one hundred percent have to watch the Book of Boba Fett to understand what the hell is going on in this episode. Um, if you go into this blind and not watching the Book of Boba Fett, you're going to be like, "How? Why is Grogu back with with Mando? What is happening here?" Like, you do have to have to have watched. Um, the Book of Boba Fett, or at least the the Mandalorian episodes in the Book of Boba Fett, to uh, to understand what's happening on, on on the show. And I don't know what to do with my hands right now. If you're watching on YouTube, um, 
it was a great it was just a great it was a great it was a great introduction episode to the to the season i'm thoroughly looking forward to watching the rest of the episodes i don't want to go into too much detail because i i spent so much time on on 285 but uh check it out if you haven't Apollo Creed is in it for a good amount, which is always nice to see Apollo Creed. Um, I forgot his character's name. Mando. You know, there's some space pirates in there. There's a dog fight in space. And like, a, like a spaceship fight in space. Um, there's a lot of cool... It just felt like a, a Star Wars show. There were, at one point, there were like these... Grogu looks up at the planet that they're on. They're walking the streets, and there's like these little monkeys in the trees, and you can tell they're puppets. And it's just like that's so Star Wars. That's so Star Wars. Star there's there's the more practical effects are in Star Wars, the better, because there's not supposed to be that much CGI in in Star Wars. Now there was a big alligator dinosaur monster in the beginning of the episode that obviously was entirely CGI, but it looked really good. And I love when the Mandalor when the Mandalorians start flying around with their jetpacks. I think it looks so cool. It reminds me of Star Wars Episode Two, Attack of the Clones, and Jango Fett is fighting Obi Wan Kenobi, and the the big Jedi battle at the end or towards the end of that movie, and you see Jango Fett flying around. It's 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 fun to me. I like when the Mandalorians fly around and and use their flamethrowers and do all that cool stuff. So. Check out uh, the first season and follow along because I will be quickly talking about all the Mandalorian episodes on this show um, throughout the season. And one more movie uh, quip that I want to say before we get into the whiskey review. Um, I did say last week that I would be coming with a Creed 3 review this week, but I did not get a chance to see it. I'm hoping next week I can take some time and go see it. The problem is it's not playing at the movie theater right down the road from my apartment so I'm gonna have to drive somewhere to see it and during the week that's tough uh because I have a lot of other things to do but I'm hoping I can I can see it this week and and um maybe next week we can do a review but I loved waking up today and seeing that Creed 3 crossed a hundred million dollars internationally um as its opening weekend box office numbers and that's huge that is that tells me that people want these original con- concept movies and not it is part of the rocky franchise but like people want more than than explosions and they want more than superheroes they want these well crafted films creed 3 is getting phenomenal reviews it's michael b jordan's di- directorial debut and people are loving it and that's what i like to see i i love to see that and the fact that it crossed 100 million internationally um, is is uh, incredibly impressive, and I do want to. Uh, I did want to mention that because I, I love to see that. It just shows me that th- the movement that Top Gun Maverick started with blockbusters being able to be something other than a superhero movie is going to continue to roll. We're going to get that with Creed three. We're going to get that with John Wick four. We're going to get that with several movies dune coming out this year like we're gonna get that with several movies and and i i hope it stays that way because i as much as i love superhero films as much as i love marvel and as much as i love dc i love to see an original concept perform well there's nothing better 
than something like Top Gun Maverick breaking records. There's nothing better than something like Creed 3 crossing 100 million worldwide in its opening weekend. It's, a, it's, it's an awesome thing to see. So, All right. Without further ado, let's get into the whiskey review. So we're 45 minutes in, and I don't foresee this being a very long whiskey review. Just like most of Conor McGregor's fights are not very long. They don't usually go the distance, and this whiskey review will probably not go the distance. Proper number 12, Irish apple. Irish whiskey with natural apple flavors. Crisp and fresh. Irreborn. And I will say that this is an incredibly beautiful bottle. I love the white with the green accents. I, I just love it. The The original Proper 12 bottle I've always liked, and I love how the Proper 12 bottles have smooth as fast etched into the to the bottom here if you can if you're watching on YouTube something is um a, a famous Conor McGregor quote is um what is it smooth is fat it, it's i forgot what it is i don't want to google it something is smooth smooth is fast fast is i got to google it Slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Originates from the SEAL teams. Yes, I think it was in... It wasn't American Sniper. It might have been in Lone Survivor, the Marcus Luttrell story. Slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Originates from the SEAL teams, but the purpose behind it can be applied to all situations. There are many situations when we want to react quickly and start moving, but in your efforts to make to move so quickly, you end up slowing down the operation, which is very true in terms of just life. Taking some time to assess the situation and not just overtly react because you feel like it's the right thing to do will speed things up in the long run. Uh, uh, proper number 12 Irish Apple our master distiller and I set out to craft something flavorful that, that stays true to my roots and where it all began for me in Ireland proper Irish Apple is a delicious blend of my award winning and tasty proper number 12 Irish whiskey with the natural apple flavor this liquid gold is smooth to the core with a crisp and fresh Irish apple finish enjoy it neat as a shot over ice or in a cocktail a proper Irish refreshment for every bottle sold, we are proud to donate to first responders around the world. Shlante. Conor McGregor. Um, I don't know how they are doing the apple finishing in this. I'm not sure if it's an artificial flavor. Let's, let's Google it and find out. I guess we'll just go with the first link at Drizzly. Are you 21 or older? Yes, I am. I am 26. I am old as shit. Proper number 12 Irish apple is a blend of proper number 12 Irish whiskey with a sweet tart Irish apple punch that's smooth to the core. It's a friendly, straightforward, and it's best to enjoy straight due to its crisp, fresh Irish apple finish. It is 35% ABV, 70 proof. Um, so it's just a whiskey. 
The whiskey pays tribute to founder Conor McGregor in his neighborhood of Crumlin, Dublin 12, and embodies their spirit of brotherhood, loyalty, and the hard work. Okay, that's just whatever. Who cares? But um, a, go- a cool bottle, a bottle that I, that I think just looks attractive. I am, I'm a fan of proper number 12, Irish whiskey. I, I have blind tasted it against Jameson before. It didn't record it, but proper, t- proper number 12 wins every single time. And I, I just think it has a bit more of a whiskey flavor than Jameson does, which I enjoy because they're, bro- they're both 80 proof. They're both very apple to begin with because it's an Irish whiskey, and Irish whiskey is just naturally very apple based in terms of its if its profile but this is a apple flavored irish whiskey so let's see how it is um we don't give a fuck about color because who cares um but yeah it's it's definitely pretty dark oh wow this smells delicious (laughs) it actually smells really good um it smells like sour apple Wow, this smells delicious. Holy crap. This smells like sour apple big league chew. Wow. I mean, you could sm- I I I've been able to smell this for the past 50 minutes while we were just bullshitting about UFC 285 and and talking about Take it to paradise. Like I could smell this apple just from it being, from it sitting right here. This is just straight apple. That's all there is on the nose. It's very light, but it does smell more like a sour apple than like a than like a red apple. Definitely like more of like a crisp green apple than a than like a one of those uh, Macintosh apples, whatever they're called. Like it smells like more like an apple candy than like an apple pie or an apple juice it smells like an apple candy to me i get that sour apple big league chew is like initially like right off the bat what i what i think of which i'm not mad at by the way all right that's uh, there's nothing there's really nothing else to it i mean there's no there's no other notes besides apple maybe a little bit of grain if you really try to pick it out there is a bit of like a a stiffness at the end that is just kind of like, Ugh, what's that? Like you get 99% this apple candy and then there's like a little bit of like real life in there. Like a little bit of like, oh wait, no, this is whiskey. Let's throw a little bit of that grain in there. And I don't like that a whole lot because to me, this isn't a whiskey. This is just an apple drink that gets you drunk. Let's drink it. See if it actually tastes good. So Cheers. Episode 112 of Who Gives a Dram. Proper number 12, Irish Apple. Shlante. This tastes like apple candy. Really. Put this in the freezer and this shit is going to be dangerous. This is room temperature, and it just kind of—it's very syrupy to me. It's, it's very thick. It's very viscous. Tastes a little bit like medicine. It 
there's more of a a vanilla on the palate, like a like an apple crisp almost more than an apple candy. The t- the the palate isn't as good as as the uh, the palate's definitely not as good as the nose. I mean, it, it's a bit thick, it's a bit viscous. It kind of reminds me of of the of the consistency of a of a medicine, which is not the best, and I don't love it, but I don't hate it. I think this needs to be put in the freezer and chilled, and then drank neat. I also would one hundred percent put this in a whiskey ginger, which I think I might do next week for my for my uh, St. Patrick's Day party, uh, which is this Saturday, by the way. I forgot to mention that. I have my annual uh, St. Patrick's Day party this Saturday, and I cannot wait. Like, I, I am so excited. I love I love our annual St. Patrick's Day party in honor of my late grandfather, George Trooper Castle, who, who passed away back in 1998 or 1999. He's been dead for a while, but... We have this party in honor of him, and now it's going to be in honor of Uncle Craig and John, who recently passed away. And um, I just look forward to it every single week, every single year, especially now that Craig and John are gone. It's it'll be tough, but you know, life's tough. Yeah, it's not. Like, it tastes fine. It just tastes very synthetic and very oily and very viscous. And I, I wouldn't drink this like this. Um, I don't think it's bad, but it's it, the first sip was okay. The second sip was worse. The third sip was worse and so on and so on. So the palate's not very good. Let's be honest. I mean, I, I can't give this a real score because it's it's not a real whiskey. It's a flavored Irish whiskey at 35%. So I think this would be phenomenal in cocktails. I think this, I I think they've done a good job of infusing the apple with the whiskey in terms of taste. It's just so thick and I don't know how you fix that. I don't know if that's just how all flavored whiskeys are because I don't drink flavored whiskeys. That's how the, that's how the maple syrup whiskey was when I, when I drank that, but that's maple syrup and that's thick to begin with. I wouldn't think of this to be a thick a thick whiskey because it's very thin. Like the whiskey aspect is incredibly thin. It's only apple that comes through. It has a bit of just like a syntheticness to it that I don't particularly enjoy. There's a little bit of heat on the back end of the palate, which again doesn't really add to the enjoyableness. Because this is made for a certain audience. This is made for, let's be honest, this is made for 18-year-olds that are going to be buying this and just going to mix it or, or use it as a as a cocktail mixer or just drink it from the bottle and use a chaser. And um, I think this could be a bit better. But it's not awful. And I love it because it's Conor McGregor. So hate me for that, but I'm a... I'm, Conor McGregor has liked two of my Instagram pictures in the past, so this is no big deal. Uh, but I will say this is fine. It's 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 not great. It's not god awful. I'd probably give it like a. I mean, if we're comparing this to everything, like 
if, if we're comparing this to all whiskeys, this is like in the fours. Like it's like a four, f- three. Like I would not pick this over one bottle that's on the shelf behind me or one bottle that's on the ground that you can't see. There's probably about 50 bottles on the ground right now. But in terms of flavored whiskey, I had John Rich's flavored whiskey when he sent that to us. And I feel like that's a little bit better than this. I'd have to blind them, see which one's better. But this reminds me of that. It's a bit thicker, I feel like. It's, it gets, it's, it's just thick, and I don't like that. It's like medicine. In terms of all the whiskeys I have, this is not good. But for flavored whiskey, it's fine. I don't know how to how to rate it on flavored whiskey, uh, on a flavored whiskey scale, but it's fine. Let me take one more sip. Yeah, just so sweet, but not bad, not bad. Four point three <laughs> out of everything that I've ever had on the show. Um, like if Stag Junior, if well, let's put if if. Colonel E.H. Taylor Small Batch, famously one of my favorite pours of all time, is like a 9.6. Yeah, this is 1,000% a 4.3 or even less. But if the, if the maple syrup whiskey that I had in honor of John is like a 1.1, then this is a little bit better. So like a 4.3, yeah. Um, but that's it. That's going to do it for this week, you guys. Um, we're about an hour in, so let's let's wrap this puppy up and and get going with the week so if you're at work right now get back to work get back to work guys send out those emails make that phone call that you have to make that you've been putting off um and let's and let's have a great week let's have a great week you guys if you're still listening to this at this point you're a true who gives a jam fan i'm telling you right now let's have a great week this week um let's let's kill the week and let's 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 handle our business so that way this weekend we can have a little bit of fun. I know I'm going to have a little bit of fun this weekend. I have a, a very busy week coming up, and I'm going to work out as much as I can because I'm going to drink a copious amount of whiskey on Saturday night. And I'll I'll post a bunch of stuff on, on the Who Gives a Dram Instagram that night. So make sure you're following me on Instagram at Who Gives a Dram. Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok is Who Gives a Dram as well. Make sure you're following along over there. Uh, I, I would appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast if you're still listening and um, and make sure uh, you leave a, a, a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That'll really help me out the most. So that's what I would like for everybody to do. I'm going to head out. I am going to, again, attack this week with the utmost velocity and we're going to have a great week. So John Jones is the goat, and Irish, proper number 12 Irish apple is not very good, but it's okay. It's fine for a flavored whiskey. So that's what we learned this week. I'll be back next week. Um, I'm sure I'll have some St. Patrick's Day party stories to tell. Um, Hopefully nothing like falling asleep naked in the shower for an hour, but um, maybe some fun stories. Uh, Peter Jan does fight this weekend, so we'll probably quickly break down that fight. I hope to see Creed three. We'll have Mandalorian uh, episode two and whatever happens during the week. We'll see what happens. That's 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 good enough to talk about on the podcast. But thank you again, everybody, for checking out the show. I, I am very grateful to all you guys who listen and support me. And always remember, whiskey's the water of life. So let's start living.